Welcome to a very special From the Rookerians. Uh, we're five years old. Mentally, Michael, we're five years old. Yeah, absolutely. Act your age, not your shoe size. <laughs> um, and we're doing this little podcast for five years, and this podcast is a, is a special to say thank you. If you've ever downloaded the podcast once to listen to it, or uh, every episode, which... I don't think anyone has ever done. Thank you. My name is John, uh, with me is Jason. Hello there. And uh, Mike. Good evening. Uh, five years, these podcasts we now take on life as a Watford fan. And this evening, we are joined for this special podcast by Mr. Troy Dean. Good evening, Troy. Good evening. Thanks for having me. That's okay. Thanks for, for being here. We're, we're having um, dinner with Deanie. I love a bit of alliteration. That's probably the last time you get to call him by your surname, though, I'm guessing, Troy. Oh, yeah. Do we have to call you Troy? Or like, Mr. or yeah, Sir? Just Troy's fine. Thank okay. you. Troy's fine. Uh, we're here with Troy, and uh, we will be uh, talking through Troy's first five years at the football club, and our first five years of doing From the Rookie End. Uh, and joining us this evening also is uh, Richard Walker, Head of Communications. Uh, good evening, Richard. Good evening, John. Nice to be here with you. Uh, and uh, Richard has been a massive supporter of the podcast over the last five years and uh, helped us out loads. So we're having a celebratory dinner all here together. A podcast made by Watford fans and for Watford fans from the rookery end. Before we've even had anything to eat, we're going to get out of the way early. Sure. That goal. The Leicester goal. <laughs> a lot of footballers, when we talk about... I'm actually just reading the book about Perlo at the moment. And okay. he said, when he took his penalty in the World Cup final, he said, right, I'm going to drink it all in and remember it all and he said he actually can't remember any of it how much about your goal do you remember exactly the same not much initially watching it back a million times that I have done you start to see a little bit more the clearest thing I remember was thinking you dive a little so and so for the first spot and then I'm sure I was talking to I think it was the lat which is the lat it's like, it was never, never a foul, and he was like, he agreed with me, he was like, it's going to ruin a good game, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, 50, 60 seconds later, I'm in the crowd with my family with no top on, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit crazy. I actually watched it today, funny enough. I was in the house, it popped up on, on the YouTube and then a recommended part. So it was like 48 minutes of the whole game, but like edited, and that's quality. It's, uh, it's good to, to look back on, and in hindsight now, obviously, We've had the pressure game, so hopefully that's just done us in good stead for the next couple. The, the way I remember that that goal is not necessarily sort of the wave of yellow you guys steaming down the pitch. I sit in the, sit in the rookery end. It was like a noise. It's like a tidal wave of noise that after Manuel had made those two saves, it's got louder and louder and louder, and it almost felt inevitable that that something incredible mm. was going to happen. And it sounds like you feel the same way as well. But we mentioned mentioned Manuel there. Who is the most important part of that goal? Who is the most important player? And there is a right answer to this. Kachiania. Why? Because if he has a touch, it goes elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> I think it's Jonathan Hogg. The header. He, no, you watch him. Oh, the run. He runs yeah, like no end. And then he has to be on the end of it. Yeah, but you have to remember, he did come in like 80 minutes into the game. So I'd expect <laughs> that he can... And Hoggy is a running machine as well, so I'd expect that he's running past people. Now, that whole move breaks down on Ketchy's touch. Okay. Ketchy's touch is, remember, he's cleared it high. Yeah. He's running to the ball with a man behind him and he just kills it dead. Next touch, and the third touch, he sets Fernando away. That's, that's his quality. And so remember, what was it, 96th minute or something like that? Yeah, yeah. He played the full game as well, and it was high intensity. And also, he, he was 1v1 with Jeffrey Slup, who's obviously doing well at the moment in, the, in, in their league. So, nah, te- if, if Ketchy touches bad, the whole move goes. And I also like the fact that Vidra got out of the way. Because he could have yeah. easily turned him straight away, he just got out of the way and left you to it. Probably uh, the monster truck was coming, so <laughs> he, uh, he, he got out of the way when the monster truck was coming. But I've called firmly and he, he got out of the way and 
I actually don't, again, without watching it back, I actually thought I had loads of area to hit, but I actually don't. It was just, didn't know there was two on the line. I just remember Casper Schmeich kind of diving past the ball, and I was already like, right, top's coming off, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you put some serious hurt on it. Was there, were you just thinking about getting it on target, or was that the whole, did you feel the, the emotion, did you feel the moment in that, in that split second? It's probably the only time I knew I was going to score. That's probably, probably the best way to say it. I knew I was going to score. So I didn't think, oh, keep it down. It's just a repetition of being with Joe Franco's old, obviously, hours after after training, doing these kind of finishes and all sorts of angles. I just knew I was going to score. And there was no pressure because if I missed, added extra time. Well, like if I missed this, the game's over. It was, it was like a free shot, really. So I knew I was going to score. And then I was just thinking in my head, right, family's over there. Scored and I said, remember Hoggy was coming. And I thought, can't outrun Hoggy, so I had to like <laughs> kind of push him a little bit to get out of the way. <laughs> so, yeah. And do, you, do you think you'll ever get bored of it? And no mm. one wants to be defined by one single moment, certainly not at this early stage of your career. But do you think you'll ever get bored of, of being people talking about it, of watching it? Um, no. And you say defining moments, that's like saying with Aguero not wanting that last minute goal for Man City. You want, you want a moment, I think. Um, there's things on the TV now, top 100 goals and stuff like that. Mine could be in the top 100 of all time, and I'm I'm buzzing with that. Obviously, I don't think my career is going to be defined off one game. Thankfully, I've got to score a few more goals since. But you definitely want a moment. If, if you can't have a moment, you want trophies. Without jinxing it, I think I'm on course to have both, so I'm, I'm doing all right. You talked about uh, watching it back already. How quickly after the game did you watch it back? I went to Casino afterwards with my mates, <laughs> so we didn't watch it back. We watched it back, didn't watch it the day after because I was doing the Sky interviews and I was actually at the Balfouri because I went to play golf. So I probably watched it back the third day after Brighton Crystal Palace. So yeah, that's probably the, the truth for that. So obviously when Sky phoned and asked him, what did you watch it, you have to do the politically correct. Yeah, of course I did, I was watching all it, but that's probably like the third day. In hindsight, I would have took the whole moment in more. I probably would have went out with some of the lads, obviously there's footage of like Christian and Fernando in the Tower Centre and all that. I probably would have made sure that everyone went out afterwards, but I was just adamant that we was going to win. Then that I was all right, go home, have a little quiet one with the lads, went to the casino, went to play golf the next day. And, you know, obviously in hindsight we lost and the whole moment's gone, but now I would have probably, you know, went out and had a good time in Watford, probably end up in Oceana or in the fountain, one of the two. <laughs> Just before we do have a good time in Watford, we're about to have something nice. But you did mention diving. You mentioned yeah. we won't, we're not allowed to mention his name on the on the podcast because okay. just too grim. Yeah. You obviously knew it was dive. Everyone on the on yeah. the on the on the field knew it was a dive. How do players react when it is so so obvious? And is it a motivating factor? For the rest of the game, I know there wasn't much left of that game, but the, the more recent one is obviously Wes Houlihan for, for Norwich, which was a bit of a tricky one. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you deal with it, and how do the opposition, opposition players deal with it? I think when it goes for you, you're, obviously you're naturally up. If you, if you go on a score, you're naturally on a high. You do, I, don't think, I don't think there's anyone anywhere that condones the diving, but obviously there's people that want to win more than, than others, so you know they'll, they'll do whatever. Uh, Wes got found out the other day on Sky actually didn't he was it against yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough yeah. yeah so we got found out then so nah, some, some guys for you some don't so it's, it's part and parcel of the game and also I was listening to Talk Sport a few weeks ago and they were saying uh, you know should we do the cameras for this side of the other but 
me personally, I'm a little bit old school. I think the reason we enjoy these moments and handballs and did it go over the line, did it not, is so you can come in the pub afterwards and you can have a good moan. You know, I think if you do watch the full game and it's stop, start, bit NFL, it's after a while you just feel like I'm bored of this, I'm going to turn it off now. I think the whole sense of injustice or sometimes all we got away with one is what we all live for to have a, have a good drink over and have a chat about it. it you know, everyone's the best manager in the world, aren't they, in the pub afterwards? So it's good fun. And we've been talking about those moments for five years, talking about this, this great moment. But let's go and get a great meal um, and uh, start our, our evening and our dinner. Do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. We're heading off into the future now, 2030. You had a brilliantly successful career. You're now uh, manager of the Watford Legends team. Okay? Okay. You've played with a number of strikers over your Watford career. Who you'd pick? Starting with Danny Graham. Had a great season when I was first there, obviously. Scored 27, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, he was massive, massive for the club that year. And all, scored all sorts of goals. Obviously went on to, to Swansea and had a great, great 18 months. And obviously then bobbed around a little bit but he, he was for us he was, he was fantastic and for myself he, he set the standard of what, what's required to, to score goals at this level Do you think Danny has still been decent Nick to play in your Legends team in what, mm-hmm. 15 years time? He might not be decent Nick now to play <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Have you ever thought about um, wearing a vest like Danny used to do? No, I'm a bit too big to wear a vest yeah, <laughs> so. the, the top half will look alright, it's more the gut I did to try and cover up And then we move on to Marvin Marvin, who took my place, that Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Marvin, to be fair, he's had a great, again, great season. Um, he's gone on to, to play for England and you know, had a couple of spells in the Prem, but I think in the nicest possible way, he let other things sidetrack him away from football. But when he was at Watford, obviously he was genuine and he, he never knew much about the outside world. So when he was here, he did, he did great, scored a lot of good goals and... Uh, no. He did all right, but yeah. you talk, talk about him getting um, sidetracked a bit, and mm-hmm. agents get a lot of stick. Mm-hmm. Can they be pretty helpful? And would that have been a, a, a time when a decent agent would have been helpful for Marvin, or is that his, did he make his own decision? He's made his bed, he's got a line. You can have people tell you what's right, agents, friends, whoever. But at the end of the day, your decision falls down on you. So you could say a decent agent, but his agent got removed from. Watford to Bolton so you class him as a, a good agent for that for Marvin to then go into the charity stuff and talking about things that personally I don't think he he was entitled to talk about like slavery and things like that because I don't talk about slavery and I'm a few years older than him so <laughs> obviously what I think his heart was in the right place to just thought establish yourself in football and then do it that's just my opinion. He's trying to let that sidetrack him, and then he's obviously at these events and what have you. And it's just, yeah, now I think he's uh, playing under 21 for Burnley at the moment, I think, isn't he? So, yeah, maybe concentrate on the football, let the charity stuff come later. Okay, so, from a younger lad down to an older lad, Big Chris, the Wellamoo. <laughs> Big Chris, Big Chris was ledge, man. He was quality. <laughs> the only guy that could get away with not chasing the ball by putting his foot in there was quality. <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously, at that time, his, his legs had started to go. He was more vocal, and then, he, to be fair, he'd do little, he told me a few little tricks which have helped me in good steady. You know, moving forward, obviously, how to use your body with defenders coming and that kind of thing. And 
and he was, used to say like it's not about being the strongest are you lifting weights it's how you use your core and you know controlling your legs so uh, that's what I, I kind of use that now with like Uche and people like that because they're, they're massive but they're a bit like Bambi they don't know how to control their legs so they're trying to hit people with the top half and the bottom half's going away so loads of little little tips and obviously he had a great record as well Because you and I remember were, uh, some, twi- uh, some tweets from Leeds fans calling you two when you played up there the bully boys up front Oh was it? Yeah We yeah, would we That normally happens when you win it. If we win with, uh, with the bully boys or oh, if we lose with a fat boy, so <laughs> you know, I've been called fat boy a few times this year, but I still run past people, so I can't be that slow. You mentioned um, Chris using his core. Mm-hmm. He's starting to use his voice and his brain a little bit now. He's gone into the media, or yeah. he's certainly trying to get it. You've dipped your toe as well. Yeah. Is that something that you'd look to uh, follow his footsteps and uh, do after you finish up playing? Well, um, I watched back the Middlesbrough game and he messed up his first two lines, so hopefully <laughs> I can do a bit, uh, a bit better than that. But that nah, Chris has got a lot to offer. He's a lot, lot to offer. He's played what, probably 12, 15 years. You know, from young all the way through, been to different countries. Obviously, been in the Prem, got promotion. He's got a lot to offer and a lot of lot to talk about. Um, as, as for myself, that's something I would like to go into, but I'm not desperate for those kind of things. I'm trying to manipulate myself so, career-wise, at the end of my career, I can choose what feels right. I think, uh, I'm not talking about Chris here, but I think uh, some people that I see that go on Sky look like, oh, I, I need to be here, like, yeah. I need some extra money, like, so I'm trying to not be desperate for work, basically, yeah. Trying to make it so the kids are looked after and I'm all right then. Okay, and then moving on to the current crop, uh, first season under the Potsos, which had a great partnership with Matty Vidra. Mm-hmm. Matty is easily the best finisher I've ever played with, easily. Naturally gifted, very intelligent, does these great runs from deep because he's so fast he actually looks like he starts to run on the shoulder but he probably starts to run five six yards deeper than he actually does but by the time people have clocked the run it's oh he's in and we've naturally just hit it off from the start obviously when i came came back in september he was playing more as a left winger if i remember because he played a 4-3-3 when i when initially came back yeah i was like oh this kid's this kid's decent we never really spoke that whole year the year we actually got on, everyone was like, oh, you got on really well, but it was more of a competitive thing. Like, he wanted to be top goal scorer, and I just wanted to be the main man, and I was a bit more trying to work my way back in, so I wasn't as assertive as I am now. Yeah, he wanted to be the main man, obviously he got the awards and whatever, but now he just hit off, and now we actually get on a lot more this time around, and it's been, it's been, it's been quality. He's just one of their partnerships that, I think you saw the Leeds goal, the Wolves goal, Think about it, we settled quite a few with each other. Like we, um, we just know where the other one's going to be. And it's a case of he's got confidence in me to make the run, and vice versa. Like some people have the ball, you fit on, and might not see. I better run afterwards, but you know he's going to look for you first. And so we might lose the ball eight, nine times, but at one time that we do get it right, normally ends up in a goal. And then there's Fessy. Obviously, you know who we're talking about. So Fessy, is that is that justified? That tag? Potential, yes. <laughs> Consistency, no. I think he knows that. Ability-wise, he, he's actually a joke. Like he could play for the top four in the in the country, like in Man United, Arsenal. Ability-wise, but then it's just a case of doing it consistently. And I think the difference between Fernando doing it properly and Rosicky or something at Arsenal next door is they do it week in, week out. And you know, if they're coming off the bench, they're still impacting. Obviously, the last couple of games Fernando played coming off the bench, he, he had a massive impact for us. You'd have to 
go back to remember the last time he did you know, a strong game like that. So it's difficult for him. Obviously, we've got four top strikers at the moment, but to make yourself the main man, you have to be consistent. And unfortunately, he hasn't been able to, to hit that consistency as of yet. And then there's a man who's trying to keep up with you in the goal-scoring charts, yeah. Mr. Igale. The best poultry we've got at the club. I think other than the Middlesbrough goal, all these goals have been inside the, the penalty spot. I think someone was saying the other day. So he's it's, it's, it's the best poultry we've got. And he's, I would say he's a natural finisher, but he's just got a natural knack of being where he's. Uh, compared to like David Platt, you don't know how he ended up there, but he ended up there. Like so, the same, the same kind of thing. He, and he will only get better. I think in might not be next year, probably the year after, depending obviously what league we're in or whatever, but next year I think people will be more clued into him, and that's always a difficult one because then you've got a couple of people marking you, um, and then I think the third year will be better because you'll obviously be used to having two people trying to stop him getting the ball instead of maybe just the one, and um, yeah, I think his league up player, all that will come with it, and he'll, the more and more he builds, he'll be, he'll be massive for the club. So he's manager of this club, this uh, we're Legends team, seven aside, he's going to go to Wembley Arena for the London Masters. Who else have you got? So it's Ewan and, and which striker? One. Vids. Yeah, Vids, yeah. Who have you got behind you then, in the midfield? Almanavti. That was, that's like a, <laughs> that's, that's a no-brainer, no Almanavti. <laughs> seven aside, so what would I probably have? Nate Chaloba for being there. Um, so how many is that? That's four. Four, yeah. So you need two defenders and then you need a goalie. Then I'll probably go best defenders we've had. Maps. And you guys didn't see it as much what Spitz Okay. You don't, obviously didn't see how good. The only way you could see how good Fitz was if you could ever got the data back after games. Because the only guy that would sprint like five, six times in the game. But just boss the game, he had like Tommy or Marco or whoever he had in front of him just doing everything for him. I think that's a good like in the three that we play at the back as well. I think you find now obviously Angelo like he's, he's more of a goal to tap the ball kind of centre up or uh Cathcart or whoever. Fitz he just used to sit there and have two people doing everything. He might have to cover every now and again for the unexpected ball but generally he just controlled the game from the back. And then in goal ooh in goal He'd probably have to be Big H. Aurelio's probably the best all round. Yeah, Aurelio. Badu was decent, obviously. Thomas Cusack was decent. Lochi, not so decent. <laughs> yeah. You never mentioned Lloyd East, I assume he'd be on the bench. No, Lloyd is uh, assistant manager. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a lot older now, isn't he? So. What do you say, with the manager, if you can make a mega manager, of all the managers you've had at Watford, what one bit would you take from each manager? Oh, each bit, you're going to put them together and then you've got Megatron, or maybe uh, yeah. Ultra's Prime, let's say, of all the you managers. You know I like my uh, Marvel stuff, don't you? Do you? Yeah. Favourites? Oh, you got, yeah, could you put the picture, you've got the... Yeah, that's, that's my son's room, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is, is it yours or his? It's his, but I'm trying to get in there, he's not letting me have it at the moment, yeah. So if you put all the bits in, so what, what so Megatron was a bit of a baddie, so I didn't really want to be a baddie, but Optimus Prime, I'll let you off. Okay, so let's go with, uh, what would you take from Malcolm McKay? Organisation and attention to detail. Sean Dyke? He's, he's would probably be getting the best out of 
limited players without being disrespectful to the players. Because okay, at that point you'd be 30, you know, be 40 years old, you have limits, so yeah, that, that'd yeah. be good. Yeah, okay. the best that limited player. Attacking, just. And also man management in terms of making people feel that they were, you know. Henri, Ronaldo, they made them feel unreal. And you mentioned Gianfranco um, and his, his man management making everyone feel feel good, feel ten feet tall sort of thing. <clears throat> Is that perhaps why he had more immediate success with, you know, mm-hmm. everyone everyone came together and it's quite a disparate bunch to start with yeah. and then we, we struggled a little bit since? Well, when, when I come back there was, so my very first trade session back there was an 11 v 11 on one pitch and 11 of us on the other side of the pitch and then there was probably about 12 in the, in the treatment room. So there was a lot of bodies, and obviously everyone thought they should be they'd come into play. I think the best thing that Jeff Broker did was just told everyone how it was from the start. You had, well, I can remember just the English boys, Yatesy, Carl Dickinson, Chris Alumu, Eusti to an extent, Craig Forsyth, all these people that were not in the team and was not complaining once because he said, so look, I've got X amount of bodies. I will need you, but at the moment I don't need you. And there's nothing you can do. When someone's straight up, yeah, especially in football, when there's a lot of uh, grey areas, should we say, it was uh, difficult. Depe. Defensively, people can have their qualms about how he did it, but I think a massive reason as to why Slav has got. A, a base to build up is because of all the work we did in pre-season. Okay. I think you can start to see that just drilled into people, literally drilled into people. We did it like three times a day, so people knew you're there, you're there, you're there, you're there. And, and what's there an issue with Beppe? Personally. And for the, and for the squad personally? And for the squad. Yeah, personally, I thought he was top drawer, but I'm more old school, so I'm used to being told, you do this, if you don't do it, you go that way. Others not so much, so... On to Oscar Garcia. What was your take from Oscar? I was injured for the six days he was there, or whatever it was. What was having the six days? (laughs) You've got to take something. Um, To be fair, the best thing I noticed was day one. It was right. Instead of this long ball stuff, this is how we're going to play out. And that was he just literally from the day one. You go here, you go here, you go here. So it was tactically, he was very aware, and he wanted to make an imprint straight away. Of we're now not kicking the ball long. and that was day. That was literally day one. I was like getting treatment. Go, it's nice to see. Like we're gonna start playing football again. So it's nice, man. Yeah, exactly. and he he knew what he was doing. Obviously, he was only there for a short time, but you can you can sort of suss somebody out in a few. In any line of work, he knows what he's on about. So he's like, oh, okay, and you naturally just gravitate towards that. Billy McKinley. Again, I was injured through his his his, uh, his stint, but. I thought tactically very good, very good. More on the other team. Okay. Like he came Blackburn Rovers away was his first game. He coming on the Friday, and he took the session on the Friday. Just a shape. He was just like right. Well, Gustav's going to jump here. You stand on his toes. You go here. You go there. Just watch Rhodes and I think first half. That was probably the, the best away performance. The first half. Obviously after that, when they just lobbed it in. The difference, what people don't realise, is a defender can win 37 headers. I only have to win one for it to be a chance of goal. So, obviously, the more and more balls that were getting lugged in, it's inevitable that Gustav was going to win some after a while. So, that first half of Blackburn away, he was, he was very, very, very good and he was good Boston. And finally, Slav, what are you going to add to this Optimus Prime of managers? 
adaptability will be the best one. Be able to change from a 3-5-2 to 4-4-2 diamond to a 4-3-3. He can change the team to how anybody sets up against us. If he feels that playing with width is going to hurt our team, he'll, he'll change it and make it more narrow. So. And also then, in games, if he thinks it's happening this way, it's not going that way, he's not afraid to change it and go, right, that's it. And also, he doesn't care who's left out. Like, I've been left out. He will always be left out. With every, literally, stuff it is anyone that can stay, they've played every game and do that thing. Nobody, no. Um, Angela's been dropped. Craig Cathcart's been dropped. Literally everyone. The only person you could probably say is Herelia. So <laughs> that's it. Yeah, but literally he just whatever whatever's right to finish that job on that day. That that goes. So that really is. We've been talking about Optimus Prime. He is actually a transformer. Yeah. So when he changes tactics, it's good. <laughs> yeah, he's quick. He's quick. He's quick into it. And he did it the, other, the last game. I'm not sure about the uh, the sound effects. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the sound effects. We'll leave that one on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the old Transformers, that's not the new Transformers. Can you do the new Transformers sound? No, I can't, and I don't even attempt to. So. <laughs> From the rookery end. So you turned up at Watford um, five years ago. I want you to, to think back, if you can, to what you were like then. I think there are at least four Toy Deenies that we've seen as Watford fans over those five years. The first one was the one who turned up from yeah. Warsaw. What were you, what do you, how do you look back at yourself when you turned up there? A little bit of an idiot. A um, little bit well, massively naive. And um, it was a bit of a whirlwind, like, 48 hours to actually get in there. So, exhausted would be another word I'd use. You've heard the story, right? About Which one? What I signed. The whole. I came down the day before, did a little bit of a medical, uh, went and had check up at Bushy, to then be told to go home at like half twelve on the night because it weren't going to be done. So I went back, back to Birmingham. Eight in the morning, get a phone call, we've got to have a heart scan in Stafford. So, I drive to Stafford for nine o'clock get my heart scan done, then told, definitely not signing, I'll be playing the first game for Warsaw on the Saturday, when we played Friday night, yeah. Saturday, so got me to training, we thought it was normal, drove into training, literally parked the car, Mrs. in the car, see she's been flying me up and down everywhere, walked in, opened the, the front door, said hello to the gas, said, oh, give me one minute, said, okay, cool, went into his office, shut band, nice one. See that he can go. That, that was the whole hold up of the thing was the gaffer wanted to look me in my eyes, say thanks for the work. Really? So, yeah, so then I got my boots back in the car. Missy drove me to Cambridge Services, signed the papers. She went back home, jumped in the car with Jenny, that's the one. She moved on to Tottenham. She drove me down the A something or other to meet up with Perty. Purty picked me up, then I'm meeting the first team coach that I've never seen, never spoke to before, and it was the most uncomfortable hour and a half of my life. <laughs> Sitting in this guy's car that I don't know his name, what he does, where he comes from, just driving to the hotel to go and meet the team. Got to the hotel at quarter past four, uh, went into the room, Dale Bennett was in the room. It's like, you alright? You alright? <laughs> yeah. Dale had just done, Dale had been told he was in the squad, obviously I'd that knew I was coming so they made him do like some runs and stuff and then you know so he was obviously not in the best of moods anyways to see that the person who was replacing him on the bench is now in his room with him and uh, I was like well what, what's the plan here what's the script he's like oh we're downstairs 10 minutes 
meeting, food, we're going. So yeah, that was it downstairs. Hello, meeting, food, on the coach. That's it. Didn't know no one's name. I used to, I called him Skip, obviously that's the captain. And then I just thought it was right to know who was coming on up front with and obviously he said Daddy Graham, so I just called him DG from the start. And then Well you wanna get you wanna get on the programme, don't you? And check everyone's numbers at least. It wasn't even that I was I remember doing the warm up and I was like at Warsaw it was this was my match day routine at Warsaw. Obviously we never had the meetings and all that. It was sort of at the uh, at the ground at quarter past one. So quarter past one, says the team, what we're gonna do, blah blah blah. Run a hot bath the thing that you should never ever do but I've got a hot bath and my headphones on and I just sit in a hot bath with my radox and whatever until 10 minutes before someone come and nudge me get changed go out play that was it warm up I used to do what I wanted and just until the shooting part and then that was it and then like we did a warm up and I remember I was like is this pre-season because everyone stayed together I remember when we was on the bench at Warsaw you went over and did keep you up so no one bothered you see, everyone was sprinting across the pitch and I was like Am I starting? Like I was asking, am I starting? What's happened? He's like, nah, this is just a normal warm-up. I was blowing out my ring. I, <laughs> I, was, I was blowing and I was like, okay, I was like this, this is the warm-up. Like, I need to sort myself out because obviously in the pre-season I was told I was leaving the first week and it dragged on and dragged on. So the longer it dragged on, I had to like, de-intensified work. So I had to like, kick balls away, had the written transfer request and, you know, just be a bit of a, a pain. But, so I was like two, three weeks behind a normal pre-season, not a Watford that at the time was very limited with their squad, so they had to make sure everyone was really fit. And I was just, I was just blowing, yeah. And um, that, that was that was how that started. And that first season, then you gone from you know, Warsaw to this mm. you know, different level, let's say. Ma- yeah, massive club. What, what, how, what, was your, what was your progress to be, say, the Troy Dean at the end of the end of the first year? <laughs> an idiot would be the first one hindsight's wonderful yeah. like to look back and say oh if I did this I'd have done that but um, for me I think first thing would have been I scored quite early I think it was my first start I think I scored so I was like oh this is easy like we've got to score the crosses are better the people are better but I'm obviously just going to do well because you know I'm getting more chances and also I can say it now I went from at the time like 1200 pounds a week at Warsaw so like six grand a week at Watford so you know, for a 21 year old 22 21, 22 at the time I was like I was now Johnny Concrete you know what I, mean? <laughs> I had a little side in Humphrey I remember I was staying in the um, David Lloyd Hotel yeah, I was staying in there and I thought oh, like, at this point we get we got paid monthly at Watford but at Warsaw we got paid weekly so I just could imagine that the funds were very low when it comes to payday so I remember being like half twelve on payday and I got into the Hatfield Centre put my card in and I said all these numbers and I was like this is a mum's wage alright cool so phone my mum like mum's thinking I'm like I don't know in hospital or something so we call it one in the morning so mum they paid me, must have paid me wrong like <laughs> listen to this I told her what we get paid she just said just be careful and then uh, obviously I should have took the, the advice then but at that time I was yeah I was I was a man about town then so every every opportunity to go out and have a good time with my mates that's what we that's what we did so I think them moments moving forward obviously as we're going to do in this interview like you'll see that 
has set me up for now, like to be yeah. prepared for so having let's, a bit more money. Let's one of those moments, those moments when you are you're out and about with the boys. Yeah. Um, looking back on it and yeah. its consequences. Yeah. Um, were it don't hold back. I'm trying to think. Do, do you look back? Do you clearly look back and regret. That's the, that's the silly question to ask. Yeah, looking back on that toy. Um, if you could ask him, tell him something, one thing, what would you tell him? Something that my granddad always used to say to me, give your head a wobble, because, like, I was in a great opportunity, and if I had the mindset I had now, arguably, I could have helped us get up that year, because Daddy had a good season, Marvel had a good season, probably only needed somebody else to have a, a good scoring record for that to be a great season. So that would have been that case, but um, regret. I have regret for the the situation. I used to someone got hurt, and obviously that that lasted effect that 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 will have on that person. I have regret for that. But for me, it was possibly the best thing that could have ever happened. Well, not possibly, but it was the best thing that ever happened because I went from being comfortable in life. I got a bit of money, as I said. Family's all right. Kids. Like son had stupid about the traders and he had everything he wanted and I could treat my mum to the a bit of bits and pieces that she wanted um, but there's, there's like a thing what I tell most of the young people now there's, there's levels to you can be a massive fish in the tidiest pond or you can be like what I'd like to think of growing into now probably one of the biggest players in the championship and that's 442 saying that, not sure saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like you could be in a, in a big pond, and then so that's another level. You know, hopefully it will be well, we go up, then I've got another level to grow into now. That, that growing, because mm-hmm. like you, you, you know, you beat that fast year when you came to Watford, you had ambition, you probably had ambition. Mm-hmm. How has your ambition changed? Do, or, I, expect, ex- say, expectations change. What was the expectation then? The, the best way to describe it was then was day to day. Okay. Like, I was never meant to be a footballer. In fact, my younger brother's the better footballer. He's technically better, he's more of an athlete. Football was him from, he was at Villa from 6 to 20. So, football was him. He was always the one, like, we used to go watch him play. I just used to do it because, you know, either that or chase girls around. One of the two, you know, 40, 15. Yeah, it was always him. So at that time, it was more, I'm not meant to be here anyway, it'll end soon, let's just enjoy it while we got it kind of thing. Now it's like, it's a complete opposite. I was having a, a chat with one of my best friends the other day. Just, uh, it's like, I'm the youngest of all my mates, they're all older than me, so they try to school me every now and again with a bit of uh, intelligence. But I just said to, they said to me, like, you was never meant to be here, so why not, instead of saying, grasp it and take it, why not see how far you can take it? That's quite big. You, you were never meant to be here. I was. I was never because in the traditional route, you, you go through all the UT, you get picked up at eight, you get go through all of the the nonsense training of how to use your left foot, your right foot, and you know be really pretty on the ball. And they don't teach you how to use your body and things like that. It's, so in terms of not meant to be, I was not meant to be this footballer that I am now. I'm not meant to be as good as I am. I'm meant to be League One, League Two. You know, who's the best kind of player? To, like a cheap Christian Walloon, I'd say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Big, big and bullish, uh, an Aki Fenber, that kind of person, you know, like use what I'm good at and just, you know, appreciate it. But now it's, let's see how far I can take it. And without having 
like being beginning if I go off and have a good six months next season there's a whole different prospect possibly could be saying you're talking to an England international so you, you, you have your extended break you had a big family change yeah. with your dad yeah. so let's try that, that, that first came back yeah. Was that a dramatic change from before and after, would you say? Or has that, yeah. has that change been gradual over the last two seasons? No, that, that, that change, the, the best, biggest change came in, uh, in the four months. Three months of the way and the month leading up to it. So the month leading up to it, obviously, spoke about it before, my dad died. He was initially meant to be sent to jail two days after he died, but we pushed it back so we could bury him. So I went... So that was the 16th, I think I went in on the 18th. Oh, so we're on the 25th, so it must have been the 8th. I was sat in the town court that day, actually. Which was the only, to be fair, we probably didn't speak that much beforehand. No. But which, we have I saw your family um, outside the courtroom yeah. and did my normal, just nod. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, saw your agent there with your family. And I just sat in the town court and when he knew what was coming, and when the judge told him what was coming, he nodded, he looked at his family, like a man who knew he was going to be back. I don't know what he was going to do when he got back, but he knew he was going to be back. I, I don't know, I don't know exactly why it was, nor mm-hmm. yeah, the details, because you don't, you sort of pick some things yeah. up in the newspaper. We, and saw, I, we saw it all in the Crown Court, John. Yeah. They showed the CCTV on slow motion, as if it was a header from across, mm-hmm. and he'd come round with his mates. And there'd been a bit of fracturing and throwing. Troy was angry about his brother getting into trouble in a group. And that person could have died that night. And I know Troy knows how lucky he is that that fella didn't die that night. So, you had that huge moment and realisation. How have you gone from that? Troy, you came back after that. What's happened to you since you came back to, to the talismanic captain that you are now? The best, the best thing to, to, to say from that would be, like, when I was, when I'm growing up, ever was ever a problem, Dad was there. So, me going into jail, going into, you know, Winston Green Jail, and, you know, just about nice people in there. Thankfully, I happen to know quite a few of them, and a few of them know my dad, so I got looked after. But that realisation of sitting in, in a jail cell going, I was playing football two weeks ago getting paid to, to run around. Now I'm sitting here looking at some other guys are taking it because, you know, two of us are here, there having it. I'm like, I can't phone my dad to look after me. Can't phone whoever I want to phone. I've got to wait till phoning time to phone people. Can't look after my son. So whereas I had my dad to look after me, he now has got only got his mum to look after him. Obviously my friends and my brother are around, but, you know, for little things that are, are parents you can't do. And I just said, you know what? There's way much more to this. There's like, there's being a. I would never say I was a like you know the bad boy or anything like that, but I could look after myself. And sometimes I wanted to show I could look after myself. And then you realise I'm in here on my own. So who you, who you try to impress? You impressing mates that are not in here with me. They're not in. They're not going through the same situation I'm going through. Their bills are still being paid because they're still going to work. And there was, you know, Richard Tide, there was, there, was, there was more than one person involved in the fight. But, you know, we, a bit old school, you don't, you don't tell out your friends, that, but they would then, they've got away with it, so they're going to work, their families are not changed, but my bills are still going out, I'm not being paid for Watford at this point. And I just thought, I had 400 people in my Blackberry, I had five people that wrote me a letter. So, 
I'm like, all right, six people are stepping money. I'm like, all right. So now whenever you see me, no more than four people ever. The same four people that wrote me, and that's it. And then it's just a case of, as I said, let's just let's just make my whole family proud. I've disappointed them now to the point where, because remember, we I caught the train. I remember coming catching the train in, and then the Birmingham Mail. My mum worked at the train station, so this big Birmingham Mail sign there was ex Villa star jailed or something for punch up. I remember getting it, and it was like me and my brother had the front page. And I was like, for me, I don't really care what people think about me, to be honest, good or bad. I'm, I can live with it, I'm ugly enough to deal with it. But for my mum to go walking past with her friends from work and they go, ain't that your son? I was like, that, that's never happening again. So now, whatever they see, it's on the back pages for the right reason. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was it. And it was just a case of, I had alcohol courses, drug courses, all them courses to do. And I was, my life's not that bad. There's a lot of people with real bad issues, and um, yeah, I feel that I can, I've just come out of that life. You know, I'm, I'm a bigger person, and now I think people respect me more because they know I'm human. I've got to say, John, when Troy came out of jail, we had a long chat, me and him, about what we would do about his, not his public image, but about him in public life. And we decided, apart from keeping his head down and playing football, we would get him to go to lots of um, local community groups for rehabbing offenders, um, just general youth, naughty boys and what have you that have gone down the wrong path. And uh, an X-rated biker grove, if you know. <laughs> uh, a little bit like that, yeah. But uh, not quite the same script writing, maybe, Mike. Um, so while others were going off to community trust courses in the holidays, Troy was going off to see... Uh, a fella who'd uh, got into a bit of a pickle with uh, drink or drugs for getting his life back on track, and he never made a murmur about doing anything we asked locally. And uh, I like to think that the club helped him for that calendar year just be Troy Deeney and find out exactly who he wanted to be for, for his future. Were you, oh, sorry, following, following on from what Richard said, whilst you were in prison, were you worried that football wouldn't be there for you when you got out? Were you worried that that opportunity had gone? No, no, never never in my mind did it cross that I would never play football again. It would just be I'd have to, I didn't think I'd be coming back to Watford if I'm honest. I thought maybe I'd have to go hope that a Warsaw would take a, a chance on me or you know, go lower and have to work my way back. But I always knew I was going to play football again so I was given the uh, the gym the gym orderly job. It's basically you just clean the gym after all the other lads have been in it but it gives me probably an extra six hours a day in the gym so just treadmills and normal so just try to keep some sort of uh, some sort of fitness up because I knew when I come out I wasn't going to have to oh, give him two months to see how he is it was instant success was needed and thankfully uh, my second game was scored so yeah you described what it was like the aftermath of the incident going into prison and, and so on and so forth and it sounds like unrelentingly bleak you know your mates weren't, weren't getting in touch you, you lost your dad your career was, was uncertain and, the, and that, the thing that you said earlier about you're not supposed to be here with football and was there any like a dark moment where you thought oh, you know I had a decent run with the footy this is because you're just describing it you, you almost listed all the things you had to deal with you had to get your head round the fact that those of your mates were, were going to yeah. get you into trouble uh, your family life had changed and 
that's like a massive uphill yeah. uphill battle. And was there any any moment when you thought I just need a fresh start, but I need to do something else? Or no, never, never. I'm I'm rich will tell you, I'm very opinionated and I'm very strong-headed. If I get my if I get my mind into something, I'm I'm gonna do it. So like that's it. Like I said to Rich the other day. I was overly confident at the start of the season. I got confident. I had massive belief that I was going to score 20 this season, and I did it. I, there was not not any point, even when I'm injured, they'll go, "Oh, I can't do it." I knew I would have do it. Covered that in your last program. Yeah. I think you covered that. That was strange hearing you say that. With even from someone who's been around you since you've been at Watford, strange to, to just that. And it's not arrogance, it's just that unshakable confidence, a mentality that is difficult to think of outside of professional sport, actually. I, I think it's important to say, Troy, to be honest, that there were Watford supporters who yeah. had issues about you potentially coming back yeah. um, and were unsure about what it meant for Watford and their, and their image and, yeah. and so on and so forth, and, and potentially took some time to, to warm up to you when you get back. But it... <clears throat> Without wanting to get all too sort of weird about it, it feels like you've almost like transcended that turnaround, and you're more than you wouldn't be the player you are now if the stuff hadn't, hadn't happened. But now you're beyond that. Does it? Yeah, does, yeah. And oh, we watched you against against Birmingham recently, and it was like I've never seen such a apart from my three-year-old child when he's trying to get a, another Easter egg. <laughs> I've never seen someone so single-mindedly. You know, I am not going to get beaten off this board. I am not going to lose this football match. And it feels like so I don't want to say the whole experience has shaped you, but it, it, it set you on the right path. But you've, you've moved on from that. Does it feel like there's a danger of people say you wouldn't be the Troy Dean you are today if, if, if prison hadn't happened? Mm-hmm. But you passed that as well. Yeah. Does that, does that I, make know, sense? I know what you're saying. Um, definitely wouldn't have maximised my potential without that situation. But. Um, there's, there's a great good now. I spoke about this on, on many occasions. I was just going to 20. First year, everyone was like, oh, bit of a fluke. You know, he's got a point to prove. Next year, I scored 25. Now, if I didn't score 20, everyone would be like, oh, he's not actually that good, is he? But I'd say, I knew I was going to score 20. But for me, the reason of staying and the reason of signing a new deal was to make sure that we got up. And when I say we, I'm not like trying to be all cliche, oh, it's my club, but. I feel like this is my club now. I feel that I have a bond with everybody at the club, from obviously Rich in the media department, uh, Richard Lyon, Gail in the back, uh, Gino himself. I, I speak to everybody. I speak to people, uh, Martin. Like everyone knows me, and I know them. I'd like to think I help out as much as I can as well with certain issues that people might not want to do, like you know, whether it be going to see the fans after losing because you know people want to go home and stop but we make sure that's done and um, I feel that this, this now I couldn't get this same attachment anywhere else no matter where I went to even if I went to a Man United that scored 30 goals I would never feel the same as I do now because I know everyone I've grown into this club and the club has grown with me at the same time so it just kind of feels like my project you know what I mean in a, in, a, in, a, in a bad way so in the Birmingham game it was like we joked about it earlier oh I haven't scored but I was more like I've never come up a pitch not scoring and thinking like yeah job done but I'm happy to not score again this season as long as we the job is get promoted
that's it now. I've scored my twenty personal issues, yeah, done that. That's fine. The main aim now is get up. And if we can do it as champions, even better. What's your favourite ever film? John Q, Denzel Washington. Favourite album? Ooh. Dr. Dre, 2001. Favourite holiday destination? Dubai. Got to get up on the table and sing karaoke, what's it going to be? For banter, probably worms, yeah. And thinking with music, uh, first song you ever bought? <laughs> um, that would be Marshall Mavers' LP. And my mum weren't happy, I was 12. <laughs> if I nick your iPod, put it on shuffle, is there one song that you'd be embarrassed about everyone hearing? I've got um, Tootie Fruity from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if, you were gonna, if you were fighting Mayweather next month, what song would you have when you come out on the ring? <laughs> I'd probably be some like, really cliche, like, let's get ready to rumble or something like that, yeah. <laughs> just, just a crack, yeah. Uh, most expensive pair of shoes you've ever bought? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2700? <laughs> really? <laughs> what were they? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Dre earlier. Talk to us about Beats by Dre headphones. Are they overpriced even for football? Yeah, go to IT7 Audio. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last text message you received? <laughs> uh, my best friend just texted me here. Um, talking about traders again. <laughs> That's probably the best way to go. Talking about traders. What have you bought but never ever used? Lots. Clothes. Um, I bought an I- iPad. I left it on the train the same day. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, an iPad and clothes are the best thing. How much is a pint of milk? I only get the big ones. I've got kids, I only get the big ones. About 130, isn't it? Used to be a pound back in the day. I don't know the answer. A pint itself is 49p. Oh, is it? But a two-litre one would be about... Yeah, yeah. back home you only get the two-litre ones, yeah. I need to get my girlfriend a birthday present. I left it late. What should I get? How how, how naughty you been? Good as gold, but I've had it on a birthday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Can never go wrong with a watch. So, little Rolex or something like that. Alright, thanks, yeah. so that might have to help me out. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your biggest vice and don't say trainers or shoes? <laughs> that, that actually is though. Uh, <laughs> clothes, I spend a lot of clothes. Um, biggest vice? Yeah, it would, be, it would be trainers, I'm a bit of a sneakhead. I got, last time I carried about 170 pair of shoes. Uh, first thing you indulge in after season finishes? Um, well, as I didn't have a cake, as you like to see, I'd probably have a, a nice dessert. Uh, I like a bit of a hot, cold mix of pancakes and ice cream would probably go down quite well. Okay. If uh, what for kick could be any other colour than yellow, what colour would you have it? Red. It's a favourite colour, yeah. I like red. Uh, if you, if what's the best terrorist song you've ever heard? Chant. Troy Deeney, Watford, number nine. From the rookery end, we're here um, on the Wednesday, Wednesday, 22nd, the Wednesday before Brighton, two games left to go. Yep. We're excited, 
we think is going to happen. <laughs> Are you in the same place as us? Yeah, definitely. You, you have to be excited. You also have to be um, a little bit nervous, a little bit, you know, get that little bit of tension in your belly. But you, you've got. I've always said you've always got to enjoy these these moments because. Like touching on earlier, we spoke about the Leicester moment. We didn't save it. I, I personally didn't save it that moment. And you know, these these opportunities don't come around very often. I think if you'd have asked any team in the league, would you like to be top with two games to go? They'd have paid a lot of money to, to be in that situation. So for us, we're in a great scenario from hard work that we've all done. And that's a case of just being professional and overseeing the, the, the next two hurdles and making sure that we're still in that uh, situation. The, the supporters, it feels to me, have really ramped it up the last couple of games, Birmingham and Middlesbrough. Um, firstly, have you guys noticed that? And, and secondly, I guess a message for the supporters as we, we head to the final hurdle. Um, yeah, definitely you've, you've seen that the, the 18, 81 guys have really helped this season. Um, and now that sort of translated to other little pockets around around the place. And there was a thing, there was a clip on YouTube the other, I think it was today actually, um, showing all the, the things we like with the, the tinsels and them kind of things. And it's and it's, it's amazing to see that from the do not scratch your eyes moment, you know the the, the flag they've made of me to, to now. It's just like every game's kind of like that. So it's, it's now it's, it's really enjoyable. Everyone's got to take not just them 1881 guys, but everybody's got to take credit for what 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 they've done. Um, a message for the fans would be keep it up. If you can be louder, definitely be louder because we also have to remember there's there's one fan that's still not able to make it to the games at the moment. So we've. Um, We've had our say on that on many of occasions, but you know the, the, the hashtag is still there for Nick for promotion, and that's that's what it's all about, really. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the Rookery End. So we're coming to the end of our fifth season from the Rookery End, and that's the end of our, our, our special where we had uh, dinner with Dini. Are we munching with uh, the monster truck? <laughs> <laughs> I think Troy would prefer. Well, I don't know if he would actually. You've got a lot of nicknames. Two things playing, Mike. Yeah, my son Arlo is a big Watford fan, uh, big Troy Deeney fan, uh, and he calls him the Monster Truck because, uh, well, he's pretty much unstoppable, isn't he? Yeah. So I think it's uh, a fairly apt nickname. And you gave him a Troy a special message from Bart. Yeah, I pretended that Arlo had drawn him uh, <laughs> a picture, uh, and it was actually uh, something that I'd just done left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we gave a message from, from the kids to Troy, which was he was very he very graciously accepted. Uh, and really good, like really honest chat, Grace. Very honest and probably a lot more honest than we were expecting. And refreshing as well. You know that these players go through a lot of media training as young professionals, so you sometimes you get very staid and solid and expected answers where I think this was a very uh, open and honest chat. And I think you mentioned how it felt like his project and I think Troy was he was very keen to make sure that that didn't sound big-headed as he's leading us to, to the Premier League or trying to lead us to the Premier League. But I think... Everyone should understand what that means just by looking at his performances on, on the pitch and, and, and Richard Walker alluded to it saying the work that Troy does, some of it gets noticed and, and a lot of it probably doesn't. And it strikes me that that's part of who he is now and he does it without a second thought. And he's, he's impressive on the pitch, 
we just experienced him firsthand for, for a couple of hours. He's impressive off it, and I think it, it's, it's great to have shared that journey with him. And really mm. fascinating to, to, to get to know him and hear from him as a person, and, and rewarding uh, as a as a Watford fan, as a football fan, that, that someone is committed to, to doing well in their profession and to being as good as they as good as they can. And also, to be honest, there's no there's no nonsense. There's no he didn't. He's not uh, pretending that he's going to be at Watford forever. He's not pretending. You know, he's, he's honest. Um, and in this day and age, it's um, a real breath of fresh air. And two years ago, three years ago, did we ever think that Troy Deeney was going to be was going to be that man for us? So great, and just a really befitting. Just the journey we've been on over five years it hasn't quite been the roller coaster that, that Troy's been on. But, but it does. It's a great time to reflect on on some of the stuff that we've seen in just a really short five year period. We've had um, pretty high highs and, and pretty low troughs. To Do you remember, Mike, one of our past managers over the past five years, never too high, never too low. Well, I'm feeling pretty high at the moment. So yeah. uh, sorry, Malky, but uh, <laughs> I'm going for it. Thank you very much. If you've listened to any podcast over the last five years, uh, we've had great fun doing it, met some fantastic people. But I'm not stopping here. Oh, no, 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 no. Carry on, this is just the beginning. And may all the future podcasts be Premier League.